thank y'all for leading us. While we're getting ready now, I believe our children's church group be gathering up over here to my left and your right at the Welcome Center. And that's for all of our youngins that look to get, like to go to children's church. Look at Kelsey. She's leading the way. She loves children's church. Amen. Amen. Glad y'all are getting ready to go. So while they're doing that, I want to call your attention to the book of Psalms right in the middle of your Bible. If you would find the 31st Psalm with me this morning, the 31st Psalm and find verse 9. 31st Psalm, verse 9. While you're turning there, I want to make just a couple <coughs> quick updatable things that I'm we hadn't talked about in the past few weeks. Um, first thing I want to do is I want to extend my gratefulness, my appreciation to my brother Ray Doss for filling our pulpit the past two weeks. He does a tremendous job. He's a dear friend. Would you join me in thanking Ray for being so humble? Amen. 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 I'm grateful for men who are called and are being faithful to that. And Ray's just a real blessing to me. He has been for the better part of last 30 years that I've known him and I'm just grateful to God that God brought him here and he's helped me tremendously and I know it's a blessing to you and I want to extend my appreciation and I also want to extend my appreciation to you as a church family for your prayers and uh, you know we, uh, we made it through these weddings barely amen we did and uh, uh, the second one went out with a bang uh, a, a kidney stone attack bang that I'm sure you've heard about and Kate's worked through that. She's doing better. And I appreciate so much your help in uh, all that we had to deal with um, uh, that day and getting out of there that night. And I'm just so thankful for our church family. I don't know what I'd do without you, so I'm thankful for your help there. Also, as you pray, I know <clears throat> I've got a good friend of mine, been a friend of mine all my life, that's building me a new pulpit, a very lightweight wood, wood pulpit. We can move around easier than our uh, other one but also are more sturdier than a music stand. He's been working on it a while, but he's uh, been busy, so I'm hopefully he's going to be able to get that ready for us soon. Y'all pray for that. I'm excited about getting that. But speaking about my girls, I ask you to continue to pray for them. Like I told you, Kate's doing better physically. She's uh, it's the first time we hadn't seen her in a couple of weeks, and that's not ever happened before, I don't think. And So uh, I'll see her this week because when she moved out of her classroom in Ranburn, she moved it to my basement. And Caitlin is the kind of teacher that she keeps everything. And she'd only been teaching two years. I can only imagine what this is going to look like in about 20. But anyhow, I'm going to help her move her classroom out of my basement, praise God. Amen, to her new school this week. So we'll be getting her taken care of. And I ask you prayers for her. It's prayers for Brooke, too. She's got two semesters of nursing school left. And we're very proud of them, very grateful for them. As we enter a new chapter, we had week first weekend at home as empty nesters. We had pork chops in the crock pot. Woo, amen. I thought, man, there's some for tomorrow now. It's pretty good, ain't it, right? Amen. Some perks to this thing. But anyhow, we're grateful for that. I do want to mention, too, our Utah team had a tremendous week. Uh, they're going to be reporting next week in this morning worship service. I want to encourage you to be here to hear much of their experience. I'm so blessed by them. They made such a difference, served so well, represented Jesus well, represented you well, and I'm grateful for listening to them report next week. And also, another great thing that's going to be starting next week is uh, we're beginning choir practice back next week at 4 o'clock. So if you, yeah, amen, amen. Um, if you're uh, interested in being part of the choir and all you say, well, I don't sing very good, Neither do I. 
mind. I mean, it's not about that. It's more about the attitude of your heart, I would think. But uh, you are welcome to join at 4 o'clock next Sunday afternoon right here in the worship center. And by August 1st, we look to have our full choir back wide open. So we're excited about what's ahead, aren't you? Amen. Psalm 31, verse 9. If you found your place and physically able, stand with me in honor and reverence to the reading of God's word. <clears throat> I had to buy something last week that I've never had to buy in 50 years. Is a giant print Bible. Amen. Keith, you can read that from your seat. How about that? Anyhow, but uh, I've been, I like slimline Bibles and I wanted a slimline giant print. And it's slimline, all right, but it's big as the table. But anyhow, I'll, I'll be fine. Uh, so, anyhow, let's look and see what God's Word has to say to us today. Psalm 31, verse 9. David writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eyes waste away with grief, yes, my soul and my body. My life, for my life is spent with grief, and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity, and my bones waste away. I am a reproach among all my enemies, but especially among my neighbors, and am repulsive to my acquaintances, those who see me outside flee from me. I am forgotten like a dead man. Out of mind, I am like a broken vessel. For I hear the slander of many fears on every sign. While they take counsel together against me, they scheme to take away my life. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face shine upon your servant and save me for mercy's sake. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that the Son of God would be glorified through the faithful proclamation of your word today. I pray, Father, that lost people will come to repentance and trust you as Savior that your children who are walking at a guilty distance would be convicted of where they are and brought into right relationship with you today through their repentance. And Father, may you add to this church daily those who are being saved, and we'll give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Today we're speaking to you on the subject of the blessing of brokenness. I read much on this chapter. I love the Psalms. There are a lot of my morning devotional materials and things that I write about. My journal stuff are from the Psalms in the mornings and just been portions of scripture God has used to bring great conviction and also great comfort to my heart over the years. I began to reflect during our time of vacation how we've been in such a different world in the past 18 months. We're all aware of that. We realized in the past 18 months how quickly life can change and that our world's a very fragile place. Many Christian leaders like myself have struggled somewhat through this time. Other leaders in all areas of life have struggled with the burdens of making clear decisions. And all we could do from day to day is take the information we had each day, make the best decision possible. We know what it's like to live through a time of being constantly bombarded with steady flows of bad news, alarming statistics. And as we walk through all this process of information, we have to focus on the people that God so graciously has allowed us to serve. 
As a pastor, I know there's a danger. I've met them before. Pastors who view people as projects and not people equipped to carry out the work of the Great Commission. I'm grateful for people and I'm grateful for the work God's using each of you to do. We all wanted to remain as positive as possible during this time. We've all wanted to be honest yet positive as we walk through and we work to be agents of faith and not fear those of wisdom. Yes, we do have concern, but we wanted to do anything we could to make things better. Well, what was a temporary setback 18 months ago blossomed into something that's lasted quite a while, much longer than we realized. The fall of 2020 and the winter of 2021 were very difficult times. Daily we were hearing bad news and we were hearing of those alarming statistics. And But since then, you know, we've noticed as the vaccine became available and people made the choice whether or not they would use that, we noticed that numbers did begin to drop significantly. But in recent days, we've been somewhat concerned over the possibility. I have a friend in the metro Chattanooga area that had to close their church this week because they had a major outbreak during one of their youth camps. So I pray God help them tremendously there in their church. We don't know what's ahead. We have no idea. I've noticed since Easter, thankfully, uh, more and more people returning to in-person worship. It's been such a blessing. Sunday school and small groups have been a huge blessing as we've been able to return to them since May. And I've really been blessed to see how God is working in the lives of our people. I really believe next week when many of you hear the testimony of what God is doing in Harriman, Utah, you'll be looking to be a part of the team that goes back out next year for kids camp. I really believe that. The last Sunday that I was here before I went on vacation on Father's Day was a tremendous encouragement for me personally. I left here encouraged and inspired and grateful for the people and the church and the God that I serve. But during the time, and I'll just be very transparent with you a little bit here today, during the time that I spent away, I spent a lot of time talking to the Lord because there's a lot of things that we have in this life take heavy tolls upon us. You and, all, you and I are just common, ordinary people, and sometimes the toll gets far heavier than we realize. From June 1 of 2020 to March of this year, boy, I really had worked diligently on my health and modifying my diet. I, but over the past few months, I had something called two back-to-back -back weddings that took a lot of my time, a lot of my effort and energy, and I struggled a little bit, lost some focus on that. And as I began to struggle, I began to feel like dark clouds began to hover. Y'all ever had that? Dark clouds began to hover over your head. And, and you know, as the dates of my girls' weddings drew closer, it got very overwhelming I'm reminded of one of my good friends you've heard me speak of him Keith Kelly out in Longview Texas he's a dear brother to me loves the Lord great pastor leading a great church he's often warned me as a friend and accountability partner how I have to guard my heart from becoming like Elijah he's told me and I've shared with you he said God use you to preach fire down from heaven on Sunday and Monday you can get some bad reports and you can get some notes in the offering plate and all that kind of stuff about it, and it'll just, it'll just break your heart, hurt your feelings, and you just can't let that happen. So I have struggled with that. But after this first wedding, I saw myself returning to the wilderness kind of like Elijah. I was looking for a juniper tree to lay down under. And on the Sunday afternoon before Kate's wedding, which was Father's Day, I started feeling kind of bad. 
I hadn't been to a doctor. I've been more well during the pandemic than I've been in, I guess, my entire life. And I had not been to a doctor at all for sickness in that whole time. But eventually had to go two days before Kate's wedding. And when I did, I didn't realize how sick I was. It, I didn't have anything that would make you sick, so I didn't come to the wedding sick to make you sick, so don't think I did that. I wouldn't have done that. But it took me about two weeks to realize just how sick I was. During that time, there was also the heavy toll. I had to leave the double funeral officiate of my parents' uh, neighbors and my parents, my neighbor growing up, 42 years, Darren Bonnie Turner. I, that was a, a personal toll. To be honest with you, like I told you, I didn't realize just how low I'd gotten. And during those two weeks, I repeatedly cried out to the Lord to help me to be restored. And it was during that time God took me to this passage. During that time, God took me to this passage to remind me the blessing of what it means to be broken. Adrian Rogers said, most men throw away broken things, but God rarely uses a man until he has first broken him. Amen. See, the apostle Paul was a broken man. He was totally consecrated to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And on two occasions in his letters, he referred to himself as being completely poured out before the Lord. He told the church at Philippi in Philippians 2.17, he says, Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. He's saying I have been spent and poured out. I am broken before God, but I rejoice in the privilege that it is to serve him. He told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.6, just before his death, he said, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. Friend, I don't know the day of my departure and I don't know the day of yours, but I do know it's coming. And we can either use our life in one of three ways. We can waste it, we can spend it, or we can invest it. So during that time, I, I listened to Tony Evans preach on brokenness. And boy, that tore me up right there, amen. Uh, he preached a good bit on that and I want to share with you a few things I learned from him and then I want to walk through this text together and ask God to use it for his glory. Tony Evans preached on brokenness, the key to your breakthrough and he used an illustration of a remodeling project. You know, when we remodeled our second floor and we created our conference room and we began to do that work, boy, it was a mess back there, wasn't it? But you had to mess it up to clean it up to make it better. He talked about those things, and when we uh, remodel, we see God do great things. God gave us a better place. God gave us a cleaner place. God gave us a more efficient place. Tony Evans says, in order for the new to be made manifest, the old must be dismantled. He said, God is not going to bless you if he can't remodel you. And in order to remodel you, he's got to tear some stuff out and put some new stuff in. See, we want God to bless us. We like the blessing. We don't like the broken part. We don't want God to break us in order to bless us. We don't want him to remodel our lives and tear out the junk and the old and the stuff that needs to be gone and put in the new. We don't want that. But I want you to know it's very important. Evan says this. He said, brokenness is an act of the will to surrender your will to God's will. To be broken means to say yes to what God wants over what you want. Wow. 
To be broken is a decision to humble yourself and acknowledge your need for help. Now, ladies, y'all don't wear your elbows out on this one. If you're married and live with a man, you know the last thing we want to ask for is help. We don't want help, and we sure don't want anybody to give us directions. Right? We know how to get everywhere. Now, I understand. I'm with you. I don't need a map. I don't need MapQuest. I don't need the phone. I don't need any I know where I'm going, right? And after 14 days, we get there. <laughs> No, we don't like to ask for help, but he goes on to say this. Brokenness is God stripping you of your self-sufficiency and getting rid of your pride so that the life of Christ might be made manifest in you. Isn't that what Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians 4.11 when he talked about the frustrations and the difficulties? He was constantly undergoing problems but what he, taught, what he taught us was is that our frustrations are the reason. They're there for a reason. And that reason is, is that the life of Christ might be made manifest in you. That people wouldn't see just you, but they would see the love and the light of the gospel of Christ shining from you. I believe that's very important. David, who we've read about here, we know his story. But in Psalm 51, as he repents before God, he says in verse 17 that the sacrifices of God are a broken heart and a broken and contrite spirit. That word contrite or contrition means grinding down to the point of a powder. See, our pride may be getting in the way of our breakthrough. So as we walk through this text together, I want you to keep in mind that yes, David is talking about himself but I want you to help me today, and I want to do this to help you. I want you to take out David and put yourself in this text today. Because you see, when you put yourself in this text, it becomes real personal. And it will help you regardless of where you are. You may be a man or woman that's filled with pride that refuses to be broken, but if you are a child of God, trust me, hear me, if you belong to him, he said in his word, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. If you belong to him and you refuse to submit to his authority and live in pride, I promise you, he knows how to break you. He knows how to break me. He knows how to break each of us. He knows what we have an appetite for. He knows what matters to us. And he will do whatever it takes to get his children right with him. So as we walk through here together, I want you to notice a few things about David and his journey of brokenness and what a blessing it became. The first thing I want you to notice is that he is in a very difficult situation in verses 9, 10, 11. He says, Lord, I am in trouble. I can remember what it was like in elementary school. The teacher would say, hey, boy, you done done it now. You're in trouble. Get on down there and see Mr. Payne. Boy, that was the last thing I wanted to do, right? I didn't want to go see, no, I didn't want to do that because I knew if I was in trouble that there was a consequence for my behavior. Amen? A lot of young kids don't know that today. I've been on vacation, I've seen them. Amen? Uh, you don't have to go on vacation. Just take a trip to the grocery store or Walmart. You will see some who have no fear of consequence for behavior. But as a child of God, I want you to know you cannot escape it. In his difficult situation, there was two things we noticed. One, he felt completely inferior. Notice the 
the progression of thought in verses 9 and 10. He said, I am in trouble. My eyes waste away with grief. Yes, my body and my soul. There's some tears. He's not only in trouble, but he's shedding tears. And in verse 10, he says, My life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity. My bones waste away. He's dealing with trouble. He's dealing with tears. And he's dealing with inner turmoil. This is a broken man. And a broken man is going through these things and God is allowing this to take place in his life to bring him to the place of repentance where he will recognize and realize how little he is, how big God is, how sinful he is, and how holy God is. And here's the best news of all for us Christians today is knowing that even in our sinfulness, even in the depths of the hog pens and the pig pens of life, God himself was willing to allow his son to reach one hand down and touch humanity as he reached the other hand and touched the deity of God and he bridged the gap between our sinfulness and his holiness with the blood of Calvary on Calvary's cross. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift who took my inferiorities and connected me to the superiority of a holy God. Amen? He was completely inferior. But he also felt completely isolated, excuse me, continually isolated. He said in verse 11, I am a reproach. He's saying I'm a shameful person. Who am I a reproach to? All my enemies. Wait a minute. <clears throat> he didn't just talk about his enemies, but he also talked about his neighbors. He said I am repulsive to my acquaintances. Those who see me outside flee from me. Here's what he's saying. I am isolated. I am a reproach even to my enemies. My neighbors refuse me. Those who are acquainted with me, because of my testimony, they flee from me. Wow. I would say, ladies and gentlemen, David is in a real mess here. But God is about to do something miraculous in his life because even though he felt inferior, even though he felt isolated, thank God he didn't stay there. Now, now men, listen to me. I said, shared this with our deacons in one of our last deacons meeting, and I want you to hear. I encouraged our deacons to be careful about allowing themselves to become isolated even in this world of social distancing. Because we're not there right now. We could be back there. Y'all do know we could go back to that, don't you? Y'all do know it could happen again. It could be worse. But regardless of either way, God is still God. But I encourage those men, I say, listen, don't get isolated, but build relationships so that you can get insulated. Because if you're insulated with godly relationships, men who encourage you to live and work and walk godly, you've got a great help. But if you isolate yourself, here's what happens devil shows up and he says you know what you ain't worth nothing and you know what that's not true because here's what I think God says about you you were worth the blood of his son golly he felt isolated it was causing him great difficulty. Go with me to verse 12 if you will. 
He was also experiencing a destitute status. But what happened there in verse 12? For I am forgotten. Oh, this is a key. I'm forgotten like a dead man. Out of mind, I am like a broken vessel. Here's what he was saying in verse 12. I know I'm David, but it is as if I am very easily forgotten. But he said, I'm broken. Now, I heard something Brother Ray shared with y'all opening one of the sermons was. They shared how we've often heard people hear a great song and they say, sing it again, brother. But he said, I've never heard anybody when the preacher got done say, preach it again, brother. Ray, I thought about that, and I'll tell you what. I had never had that happen until I preached outside of this country. Now, okay. now some of you have heard this if you've been here with me the whole time, so for the benefit of those hadn't, just smile and look like it's the first time. First time I preached outside of this country was in November the 1st, the day of the dead in Mexico. Okay. I, we leave Halloween here. We flew out on Halloween. We land there on the day of the dead. There are skeletons everywhere. It was just a great feeling, you know, right? All right. So we go to help lead a pastor's conference, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. That was a swanky place right there. I'm telling you, fancy. Looked like something out of a movie, you know. I expected Tom Cruise to show up at any second. I was going to lead him to Jesus if he came, man. But anyhow, we're at this resort thing, conference, and here's what I'm thinking. You know what, Lord, thank you for giving me the opportunity to go into a foreign country and be able to invest in pastors who have very little, if any, resources and help them be faithful to their calling where they are. Thank you, Lord, for giving me this opportunity to be a blessing to these pastors. Do you know what happened? I got it backwards. I thought I was going there to be a blessing to them. Oh, boy, by the time that week was over, I felt like this right here. Because when we went into that country and we began, I'd never preached with an interpreter before. Boy, that's a lot of fun. I had two. One was named Diego, right off of, what was her name? Dora the Explorer, Diego. That's how I remembered his name because Brooke really loved Dora the Explorer. She's a little girl. And had another name, Pedro. Perfect. Hispanic names, right? So anyhow, but these boys love Jesus, I'm telling you. And when they interpreted, now they did exactly what we did, I think. I don't know what they might have said. I couldn't mean, but I mean, they gave the same emotion. They gave the same inflection, everything that we did as we preached and shared. Well, one night, I was leading one of the seminars, and there's 250 pastors packed in there. They got their babies on pallets, and I'm talking well-behaved kids didn't move. I mean, they just laid around there like everything, and, and about an hour and a half into that thing, Ray, I'm going to tell you all something real spiritual. Uh, I had to close the service because I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. I mean, you'd like for me to tell you, you know, the Lord. No, no, I mean, they were, they were like sponges out. So I, I needed to close that pretty quickly and uh, so when I got done and I went we closed out the thing and the other pastor with me finished up and they finished up making announcements in Spanish and all that kind of stuff and I went to the restroom got back out watch those people would line up down through there man they'd line up like you was Charles Stanley or something and they'd want to take pictures with you and they'd want to get their little kids on your knee and all this thing I mean it was it was I thought I am nobody but they were like, and this one, here's, here's my friend. Uh, 
Pedro. Pedro comes up to me and says, Pastor Brent, Pastor Brent. Maybe, maybe you come here, maybe my wife, my little boy, my little girl, maybe just one picture, please. I'm like, nobody's ever want to have their picture took with me except my kids. And so, so I'm like, well, sure. And so we take Pedro. And he comes up, he says, Pastor Brent, I have one question. I said, well, what is it, Pedro? He said, why you stop us so soon? <laughs> I didn't want to tell him I had to go to the bathroom. I didn't think that'd go over very well. I said, I, I don't know what you mean, Pedro. He said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You, you stop away too soon because here we want more. Right, I like to fell out. I said, Pedro, where do you live? He said, I rode a bus 23 hours from Mexico City to Puerto Vallarta. Me and my wife, my little boy, my little girl, we rode a bus 23 hours on bumpy roads to get here because we need to hear from God. I said, Pedro, could I take you back to the United States? Because I'm telling you what, his, he didn't care what time it was. He didn't care what was coming on. He didn't have a DVR to set. He didn't have any of that. All he knew was is that he was hungry for the word of God. He was hungry for the power of God to be manifest in his life. And it didn't matter what it took, he was going to get there to get it. Those words he shared, we want more. I've never got over that. And sometimes in our country it's like, can you hurry up, preacher? Can you cut down the sermon? Can you shorten the music? Can you mainstream things so we don't upset the culture? Hey, it's time that we let God start rocking the boat. Hey, this ain't no cruise ship, ladies and gentlemen. The church is a battleship. And for too often, we took the bullets out of our gun. We don't want to offend anybody. We need to be faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ, regardless of the cost. Oh, easily for God. That's what David said, I'm just a broken vessel. I'm forgotten like a dead man. He also said in verse 13, he shows us he's extremely fearful. He says, for I hear the slander of many fears on every side. While they take counsel against me, they scheme to take away my life. Would you agree that we've seen more people living in fear the past 18 months in this country than we ever have in our lifetime? It, it took me back to what my grandmother used to tell me. My grandmother was like Caitlin. She kept everything. Yes, she had those quilts that had 80,000 mothballs on them. And when you go spend a night at her house in the wintertime, you didn't care about the smell of the mothballs because they piled enough on you to literally freeze you in one spot on the bed and you dare not move because you would freeze to death otherwise. Amen? But she also had a box of stuff from World War II. My granddaddy was off in the service during that time. And she had two small children by this time. Had already buried two, two more. And uh, she had these cards. And y'all know if you were there, ration cards. And you only got so much stuff. No matter how much money you had, whatever, you only got so much coffee, you only got so much. And she shared all that with Caitlin when she was doing a report for school, when she was in middle school. 
but she would tell me how at night if they could and had the radio right they'd listen for war news there on the radio they talk about how fearful times were <clears throat> talk about how dangerous and fragile our world was but friend I want you to know for the child of God Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.7 that God has not given us a spirit of fear but a power of love and of a sound mind I remember telling Angie in the early days of the pandemic when everything shut down schools and everything else about a weekend I remember telling her one night before I went to sleep I said you know what honey some of you guys wouldn't admit this because you're tough I said, I'm kind of scared. She said, scared about what? I said, well, I'm not scared about where I'm going. I'm not scared about, I said, but the uncertainty. And I'm scared that I won't be faithful to lead God's people as I should. And God took me to that scripture and reminded me he did not give me a spirit of fear. And if I've got a spirit of fear, it didn't come from him. He gave us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Fear will creep in from time to time, friend, but I'll tell you what, the best thing you can do is not feed it. Because when you feed the fear, it gets bigger. When you feed your faith, it grows stronger. Then notice with me finally in verse 14. Thank God David made a decisive statement. But it's for me. Oh, wait a minute. What does that ring in your ear? Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Joshua at the end of his days he had done said to them look you can go serve the gods and that your father served on the other side of the flood but I'll tell you what but as for me and my house we will serve the Lord Wow. David echoes that he says but it's for me just speaking to me personally he said I've got all these problems and I've got all this stuff going on my inferiority my isolation I'm feeling like I'm forgotten as a dead man I'm fearful but as for me, he says, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. Wow. He said, I'm going to say that you are my God. He got real personal. He said, personally, you are my God and I am your boy. <laughs> Amen. He, he said, but it's for me. I want to say you're my God. He said, my times are in your hand. We could walk out of this service today Everybody could have a fun-filled, fruitful week and we could all come and gather back here next week just as we are today, maybe many more. But there's also a chance that in this week, there's no guarantee we make it through this week. <laughs> we don't like to talk about it. We try to avoid it. We do everything we can to escape the thought, but it's true. He said, my times are in your hands, and what I need you to do, Lord, is I need you to deliver me. Wow. He's saying, Lord, this is about our personal relationship. David, the Bible said he's a man after God's own heart, a man who pursued the heart of God. Listen to me. What could be said about you, sir, and your relationship with God? If we, identify, if we interviewed 10 people that see you every week on a weekly basis, how many of them could truthfully say, this is a man who follows after the heart of God? Ladies, the same for you. Could it be said of you in your workplace that you resemble and you reflect everything that you, that you profess to be? Are, are you truly walking with God? Is it clear? 
David said, I don't want there to be any doubt about it. You're my God. My time's in your hands. Then he asked the Lord for a powerful rescue. He said, Lord, deliver me from the hand of my enemies, from those who persecute me. Friend, we don't like to talk about persecution either, but I want to tell you, Paul reminded Timothy of this in 2 Timothy 3.12. All who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now, now, let me tell you, persecution takes on a lot of faces. Sometimes it could be, and sometimes we think persecution, and somebody says something bad about us, and that, it's not really persecution when you see it on, on the level of some of our missionaries in foreign countries who are really just praying, God, let them make it through today. He said, Lord, I want you to do this for me, and I want you to make your face shine upon your servant. He was saying, God... If you don't show up, I don't have any hope. But I know you will. <laughs> Maybe today you need a powerful rescue. Maybe today you heard the testimony of Jackson who said as a young boy, I kind of followed along because I thought it was the right thing to do, but I didn't realize what it meant to have a personal relationship with God, but now I do, and I want to get this right, and I want to follow the Lord, I want to repent and trust Jesus, and I want to get my life in order with God. Maybe that's your testimony. If somewhere down the road you're hanging on to some decision that somebody might have made for you instead of one you made for yourself. Or maybe you just have a decision you're not real sure that's concrete enough that you would trust it to take you to heaven when you die. I have people tell me all the time that they're Christians and they don't see any need to go to church because you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I mean, because some preacher around here will preach you right into heaven from the funeral home. I've seen it happen a bunch. But I ain't one of them. But I will tell you this. That if the relationship you have with Jesus is not strong enough to draw you to gather with the saints on the Lord's day on this side, I have a real time believing that it's strong enough going to take you to heaven when you die. Because I'll tell you, it's a whole lot easier to be faithful to God when you are being constantly encouraged by the word of God and the people of God. And here's what some people say. Well, it's just a lot of trouble, you know, the church... Churches always have problems. Well, that's because people are there. Amen. And you know, anything worth doing is going to have a little bit of resistance. You're going to have some problems. But I can tell you this. I've never been one bit sorry that I made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life and made a priority to serve him along with his people. But you might need a rescue. I remember this song years ago. New song, I love new song. They used to sing this song that said this, says, I need you, Jesus, to come to my rescue. Where else could I go? There's no other name by which I am saved. Lord, capture me with grace, and I will follow you. It said, this world has nothing for me. I need you to come well, hear me, friend, would you? In just a moment, we're going to give an invitation. And you may be where David was. You may feel.
feeling insignificant. You may feel inferior. You may feel fearful. You may have all these things going on. And I want to tell you, this preacher can't take it away. This church can't take it away. But the Christ upon which this church is built can help you and give you the strength to persevere through whatever comes. I really believe that. But you must, hear me, sir, you must surrender your pride in order to experience your breakthrough. If you refuse to be broken before God, you can never fully be used by God. Come broken, come repentant, and you can experience your breakthrough. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I just want to thank you for the power of your word. I want to thank you for your faithfulness, even when we haven't been. And I want to thank you for, God, what you have spoken into my soul. And I pray, Father, that I've been faithful to articulate it to your people today. Father, I pray for that man or woman that's on the pew today that would say, I really need to surrender, but I'm just not sure. Maybe there's a pride thing in the way, Lord, only you can take that away. Maybe there's a fear component, I don't know. But God, whatever it is, I know you're faithful. And I know, God, you'll meet them at the very point of their need. And you'll help them experience a breakthrough to blessing through their brokenness. Thank you, Lord, for breaking my heart fresh and new these past few weeks. Thank you, God, for reminding me how little I am, how big you are, how sinful I am, and how holy you are. God, today may someone like Jackson experience the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And God, may they too make the decision today, they'll never be sorry they made a decision to follow you. Father, we love you. We praise you. We give you glory. May your will be done at this invitation in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand to our feet all across the house. God has spoken to your heart today, friend, to make things right with him. Please don't let fear or anything else keep you away from getting right with the Lord. You're a child of God today, and you believe this place God have you to serve him. We welcome you to make that public today, too, okay? As God leads your heart, be faithful to him. Amen. Marty, lead us when you're ready.
seated our ushers are coming right now to receive our morning tithes and offerings I want to encourage you to be faithful as always and trust the Lord I still believe the scripture is clear that the tithe is holy unto the Lord it's a spiritual discipline that the Lord taught Angie and I as young Christians a long time ago and we've learned that the principle is true you can't outgive him you can't outlive him and you can't live without him amen so as we give today just know this your giving today is not an empty giving away of dollars and cents. It's an investment in the work of the kingdom of God here on earth as we seek to touch lives at home, across the street, and around the world. So as we give today, let's be faithful from our hearts. Brothers, y'all join us as we ask God's blessings.
just uh, last week. It, uh, I wondered if I'd have a job when I got back because y'all were in and out in 50 minutes last week. I really worried about that, right? You scared me there for me and I. But we're making it in about an hour and eight minutes today. So anyhow, I'm kind of like my old friend Pedro. I just want more. Amen. I, it is. And uh, but no, I'm just cutting up about that. God's no, no. He, God can do a whole lot in a little bit, or He can stay with you all night if it takes it. You know, when what was it? When Peter was preaching, and the guy fell out of the window. You remember that? Yeah. Paul. Yeah, that's right. One of them peas. <laughs> Getting mixed up. Been a couple of weeks, by the way. But when they went over, when they went over there and dug him up, they said, "Man, shake him off." And they just kept on up until dawn. You know, they they didn't even say the benediction. If we had somebody fall out, we'd probably say amen. But anyhow, uh, nevertheless, uh, this week, Wednesday night, six o'clock, uh, students, children, and adults all at six o'clock. So don't forget that. Fifteenth. Uh, of August, a couple of weeks, third Sunday in August is Gridiron Day at the Rec Center. We'll get all our stuff out. Posters should be coming in this week. Got some some of our plans come together. If you're interested in volunteering in any capacity, I should say this for the offering. I forgot it. Use the tear off section of your uh, bulletin and just write on there your name and Gridiron Day, and, uh, and just hand it to one of our ushers going out the door or the Welcome Center, either place. But we'll be putting that together and calling a meeting real soon just for our other um, volunteers. We're looking for a big day. We're excited about that. Jeremiah Castillo from Castillo Foundation, Road Tide, going to be with us. And uh, anyhow, we're excited about that, putting some other things together. But uh, we just feel it's a great opportunity to bring our community, bring our students, our athletes, and band, and cheerleaders, and coaches, and everybody together and just worship the Lord together at the start of a school year and start of a season. Kind of my favorite time of the year, you know, JoJo, when the peat skin starts flying around. Amen. I love it. I love the smell of that grass. Still, can you still smell it? Right. The sweaty shoulder pads. You don't miss that. I do. I mean, I, sweaty shoulder pads. It's, you know, I was thinking during this pandemic deal, you know, I had to be real clean about everything. I'm thinking back in our day, Ray, it's a wonder somebody didn't die because it wasn't near as clean back then. I bet when Jimmy Bragg was playing, it was really bad. But anyhow, ain't <laughs> no telling. Nevertheless, they didn't know what a washing machine was back then. So anyhow, we're good. Uh, but we're excited about Gridiron Day, and we're looking forward to big time on that. But uh, hey, I just want to tell you what a blessing is to, to be home today. Appreciate you praying for us. And know as always, you know God loves you. You know I love you. And there's not a thing you can do about it. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Marty's going to sing us out. I'm going to go around and catch you out in the yard there. Don't you like those clear doors? Yeah, don't you like that? You know what that says to a community that rides by? That you open for business. Amen. You know, it's not like a, oh, what's beyond the door?